1: <coughs> Welcome to Dr. Hoetze's Wellness Revolution. I'm Stacey Banfield here with Dr. Stephen Hoetze, founder of the Hoetze Health and Wellness Center. We have got a fantastic show for you today. We have got Dr. Gary Nolan. He is the author of Death by Medicine. He's such a wealth of information. Can't, hear what, can't wait to hear what he has to tell us today. Dr. Hoetze.
0: Thanks so much, Stacey, and thank each one of you for joining us. You know I believe that you and everyone needs to have a physician who has the know-how and wherewithal to get you on a path of health and wellness naturally, so as you mature, you got energy, vitality, and enthusiasm for life without pharmaceutical drugs. And that's what we do here at the O.C. Health and Wellness Center, and that's why I have these podcasts, so I can inform you and get you to understand that conventional medicine, traditional medicine, is a, has many problems associated with it, particularly its use of pharmaceutical drugs— and the disease model that it has. And i like to bring you information that will help you understand how if you're involved with doctors that practice conventional medicine, you endanger yourself. It's interesting that here we have the coronavirus going on, and they say over the last three months we've had a decline in overall deaths in America, and everybody's concerned about it. COVID virus is killing everybody. It's like the plague. We've got less people dying in America now than we did at the same time last year. How does that happen? Well, I think one of the reasons is, is the hospitals have been empty, and people haven't been going to see their doctors, so they're not getting drugged to death and not having unnecessary surgeries performed on them. And that's why Gary Nell wrote a book. Gary Nell, he's our guest today. Doctor Gary Nell wrote the book "Death by Medicine," and this is a a book. I think it was written. What year was what? What year did you publish it? Two thousand and what year was well, it?
1: We did it in 2005. 2005. There were five, five scientists, all with backgrounds in academia, and medical doctors and PhDs. It took us five years. We only used orthodox medicine's own statistics. No opinions, no uh, subjective input. And what we did is we simply asked a simple question. Does orthodox medicine, in each of its different divisions, like oncology, cardiology, neurology, gastroenterology, rheumatology, does it work? It's that simple. And we found that their own studies showed that in the majority of cases, for chronic care, it failed miserably. Where medicine worked very well, was exemplary, was in emergency medicine. But emergency medicine, if you have a heart attack or stroke, if you uh, are a burn victim, if you're in a car crash, then it works. It saves lives. It's amongst the best in the world. But that's only anywhere between a ten to twelve percent of all medicine. Which means that eighty-eight percent of medicine not just fails, but ends up being the leading cause of death and injury in the United States. As an example, this year we'll have somewhere between five hundred thousand to let's say oh. Uh, 650,000 people die of either stroke or heart attack, and then cancer's right behind that, diabetes behind that. Now, mind you, when you've had a war on cancer for 45 years, and you have no major cures, and anyone who gets any treatment and does not die, 100% of the success goes to the treatment instead of anything that might be innately important in the person's own healing mechanism. And then we see how many people die from the cancer itself, from the chemotherapy, which is carcinogenic, and the radiation, which is carcinogenic. But both are capable of limiting the body's spread, even shrinking cancer, but then you destroy the immune system. So six months, a year, year and a half later, the cancer comes back, and now you have no immune system to fight it. And so if you're going to take credit for a war on cancer and telling people what great progress you have, then I'm going to take a look at the last 40 years. And if we take a look at the last 40 years and average more or less between four hundred to 600,000 people dying per year, then you've got to take credit for 20 million people who were toe-tagged and charged anywhere from uh, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's, that's failure. I don't believe we should reward anyone for anything if they fail. If you take your car in to be repaired and you get it back and it doesn't run at all, you don't say thank you and, you know, you were courageous in what you did. No, these are not hero journeys we're taking. These are highly perilous. And just like COX-2 inhibitors. Now, COX-2 inhibitors uh, were given uh, in order to stop people with rheumatoid pain, arthritic pain.
0: Hey, doc, Doc, let me interrupt you on that. COX-2 inhibitors are like the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and we're talking about particularly a drug called Vioxx, but uh, the, the current anti-inflammatories on the market have the same similar problems. So go ahead and let's talk about the Vioxx that Merck produced.
1: Well, th- this is a good example of what's wrong with medicine. If medicine was what Hippocrates and Galen and Maimonides was practicing, Uh, then in Dr. Kellogg back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that would be fine, but that's not first do no harm. Instead, they took a drug, Merck, the pharmaceutical company, and they showed that it would cause an increase in heart attacks and strokes. They hid that information. It was Dr. Graham, an FDA investigator who would later find that out, and Anywhere from a low number of sixty thousand, but a more realistic number is five hundred thousand Americans died because of taking Vioxx. They paid. They paid a five point eight billion dollar fine. The stock value went up. The head of the company got a raise, and everybody on Wall Street was happy, just like the tobacco industry. They paid the fine, and then they went on and made more profit. In fact, for four years, even after paying that large sum out they still were extremely profitable. And that's what Wall Street cared about. Well, that's neoliberalism at its worst because it means that all the patient is is a profit center. Instead of looking at the patient, because the same rheumatologists who were giving out Vioxx without questioning its safety and efficacy were the same ones that I debated on wmca radio back in new york city back in 1975 where the top rheumatologist representing the Rheumatologists association came on the air and said there is no association between anything you eat or drink and rheumatism at all and i said but there's a lot of evidence he said well we have to have the peer reviewed journals but right now there is no evidence what well, turns out everything that they said was wrong and that meant that any highly acidic food or beverages including caffeine, which is highly anabolic, can cause inflammatory cytokines. And as a result, every time we eat anything that's highly acidic, we are causing a hyper storm, what is called a cytokine storm in our body, where there's massive amounts of free radicals, and that leads to pain, that leads to inflammation, that leads to swelling, that leads to all forms of dysfunction. And that's why it's very easy to turn off diabetes, turn off uh, arthritis, turn off a lot of things, including aging in the brain with the amyloid plaque that leads to dementia, and one type of dementia is Alzheimer's. We know the mechanisms by which disease occurs. We know that the pathology of medicine, the trouble is we're not willing to change uh, medicine to first teach about prevention, because doctors, as you know, as a board-certified physician, you're not taught about how to keep yourself healthy. You're taught the what to do when your body is sick dealing with the symptoms and so therefore there's always going to be a failure.
0: Well, that's exactly right. Now, it, let's talk about the death by medicine. This is known, folks, as iatrogenic disease, which means it's, it's disease and death caused by medical treatment, whether it be surgery, hospitalizations, or medications. So let's talk about that. It's the leading cause of death. And the conventional doctors don't talk about this. If you, if you look on the internet or anywhere, what's the leading cause of death? Heart disease. That's what they say. 650,000 people a year. But in fact, iatrogenic illnesses are the leading cause of death. Doctor-caused illnesses. And let's run through those. What are the major, major, major causes of iatrogenic uh, illness and death in the United States?
1: Well, for example, the number the number of people who are killed from unnecessary surgeries and the number of people killed from taking proper medications where their body was not able to handle it or the older person gets, the more combination of medications a person takes and then they're taking medications to counter the adverse effect of other medications. Over-medicating is rampant. And look at the children. The number one cause of death in ten to fourteen-year-old boys is suicide. When you and I were growing up, suicide just didn't exist at all in young boys. They were engaged in life and activities. And now, when you're taking the COX, when you're taking the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, that is adversely affecting a person's behavior. So we're giving kids up to ten million children a day have to take a class two narcotic in the same category as cocaine in order to go to school. It's Ritalin. And uh, and that's unfortunate because what happens is it leads to creating mood disturbances. Now, if you look at the package insert, which I have, the number one side effect for antidepressant medication is depression. The number one side effect for anti-anxiety medication is anxiety but it gets worse you can cause suicidal ideation you can cause suicide you can cause uh, psychosis paranoia delusions and indeed when i went out to colorado to interview the friends and family of the shooters eric Harris and the other kid that uh, killed the people Columbine, they were normal kids and still they and until they started taking the psychiatric medications we've been led to believe and you see it in every ad on television for an antidepressant or antipsychotic medication or anti-anxiety medication, that you have a brain chemical imbalance. So, if that's the case, then where's the proof? So, we went to the, um, over at the Javits Center, we went to the American Psychiatric Association's annual conference. Now, psychiatrists come from all over the world. Herein is the problem. Not a single person, when asked, Acknowledge that there was any proof that brain chemical balance exists. Do, is there any tests you can take? No. Is there any diagnostic procedure? No. So then, in the film Man, Manufacturing Madness that I did, you'll see a completely normal, healthy person go into 12 different board certified psychiatrist's office, and anywhere from three and a half minutes to seven minutes, they would be diagnosed with a mental illness and given a prescription drug when then met on the street outside their office and asked, this is a completely normal person, yet you diagnosed him with brain chemical imbalance and gave him a very powerful uh, medication. Well, you know, it's all subjective. Well, it's all suggested, subjective, subjective. Why not give him a sugar pill? If you're saying that it, th- there's no proof that it's going to do anything, then why give him something that there is proof that it can cause physical harm? But it's all about the profit. It's all about following the protocol. It's tribal. It's that primitive. And so we've drugged children. And now children think it's normal to be diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. We're not looking at the other environmental causes. We're not looking at the fact that as one medical doctor one woman physician who's a pediatrician told me, she said, my kids stopped eating sugar and caffeinated beverages for breakfast, and they stopped bouncing off the walls. They were completely normal, and yet she said that in all of her training, she was never taught that caffeine, as kids take these soft drinks, they're taking, they could easily, an average kid today could easily get 500 milligrams of caffeine in their system, and that's really destructive, but also they're taking sugar, and sugar can adversely affect behavior, and in fact, that's been proven. Dr. Scholenthauer and Dr. Strauss uh, both showed that that sugar impacted emotions, makes us more angry, makes us more volatile. And so she said, it was a rude awakening for me. So then take the sugar out of the diet. Take all processed carbohydrates out of the diet. Let a person have unrefined carbohydrates, brown rice and quinoa and millet and spelt, etc. Let them have a wholesome, healthy, clean diet. Suddenly the whole biochemistry changes. So they don't have a chemical... And brain imbalance. They've only used it as a selling tool for their drugs. They have no one that can show they've cured from this type of approach. But these are the same people following the same guidelines that once thought lobotomies were normal and electroconvulsive therapy still given, uh, which erases causing grand mal seizures in the brain and erases memories. In fact, so bad that one preacher in uh, Houston his wife was having some postpartum depression, which is not unusual. And he got her to a psychiatrist who got, gave her electrocompulsive therapy, 34 sessions. And so she mm. lost her entire memory. She didn't even know how to brush yes. her hair. She didn't know how to make a meal. And that was considered normal. But at least she wasn't suffering from depression from what she had previously been depressed about. That's similar to someone saying, I've got a pain in my hand, so I'm going to cut off this hand. Well, that doesn't solve the problem. It only eliminates the symptoms. So, we have made medicine focused with an obsessive uh, obsessive fetish on symptom relief, not under functional reversal of the underlying condition. And okay. so, we have everybody taking all these medications and addicted to the medications. And everyone knows this. And also, they say, well, a double-blind study. Okay, how many double-blind studies published in peer-reviewed journals are reproducible? How about you can't reproduce 67%? Now, when you consider the hundreds of thousands of studies and you cannot reproduce them, that means they're not good studies. So even the peer review system itself is flawed and I've published in peer review journals. I've done clinical studies, 44 clinical studies on health and I've reversed menopause in 500 women who for a year meeting once a week to reverse their uh, diet Uh, go on a healthy plant-based diet, exercise, stress management, take proper supplements. And as Viktor Frankl, the great physician who survived five concentration camps said, those who survived the concentration camps had one thing that defined them above all else, and that is they still had a meaning for life greater than the punishment that they were being put through and the horrors of that experience. And so we kind of lost focus of some of the important and salient points of Rollo May, Eric Fromm, and Viktor Frankl, that what is the central core meaning of our life? What are we living for? Well, if a person's got pain, if they have cancer, if they have heart disease, then the number one theme in their life is, am I going to die? So they're living with an unrequited notion that I'm not going to have much time left. So they live with this uncertainty, this angst, And instead of looking at what could reverse the conditions naturally, because we can reverse the conditions. It's just that medicine cannot change a paradigm, even when something is found to be bad, when it's toxic, like synthetic hormone replacement therapy, and replace it with what a good physician like yourself would use, which is natural uh, bioidentical hormones, uh, squall, vine, vitex, a passion flower, dong quai, the most commonly used drug uh, herb in the world, and Siberian uh, ginseng that can help rebalance hormones and balance between progesterone and testosterone. And estrogen, they're not used because they can't be patented. So medicine follows the dictates of the big pharma. And big pharma has no interest in whether a person lives or dies. They have an interest in how sick you are and how long of a patient you're going to be. That's what we wrote about. And it was interesting, we sent 7,000 copies of that paper out to every medical organization in the United States. The AMA, by the way, the American Medical Association has acknowledged that iatrogenesis, what you were discussing, is the third leading cause of disease, uh, death in the United States. However, when we reviewed their paper, it was flawed. They did not include infections from in hospitals like gangrene, which no one should ever die of in, in a hospital. Uh, malnutrition and uh, and bed sores. So when you add those into the equation, then you see, well, wow, it is number one. Also remember, about sixty five percent of people die in hospital. thirty five percent die at home. So how many people took their meds, got their medical procedures, went home and died because of it? They're not included in any statistic whatsoever. And even in those that have the very highest rate of failure. Cancer is number one in failure. But it's a flawed system. If you receive any orthodox therapy at all, then 100% of the, tre- 100% of the results are, ge- are uh, given to the therapy. Well, that's not any good. That's like the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is the garbage vaccine. It's very dangerous. But look at the statistics. I've written 54 articles on the lack of science in efficacy and safety in vaccines. I'll give you an example. Every vaccine has only toxic ingredients in it, from aborted fetal cells uh, to mercury and some still, and aluminum as an adjuvant. And aluminum, according to thousands of articles in the toxicological peer-reviewed literature, is a neurotoxin. So if you're saying these vaccines are safe, well, why did the Supreme Court say they were inherently dangerous? Because they are. So if you're putting inherently dangerous ingredients in a vaccine, how do you know that those ingredients won't adversely affect a person, especially a young person's immune system that's not fully developed? And certainly there should be no justification for having a hepatitis B vaccine unless you can prove, which is easy to do, that the mother has hepatitis and could pass it on to the developing uh, infant. And if she tests negative, then there's absolutely no legitimate scientific reason to give a baby a hepatitis B vaccine. That's pure fraud. But also, when you take a flu vaccine, the efficacy rate, because it morphs every year, uh, can be anywhere as low as 16% to maybe a high of around 60%. But that's, that's, again, flawed science. It's a mathematical model. What they'll do is, let's say, for argument's sake, they give a million Americans the flu vaccine. And at the end of the year, of those million Americans, um, let's say 30% didn't come down with uh, the, the, flu. the uh, flu. Then you say, okay, it was 70% effective. Well, no. What if a person lived in Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, Florida, and Texas where they're getting a lot more sun than in northern climates? What if they were drinking fresh juices each day, exercising each day? What if they're taking vitamin D and zinc and selenium, all of which along with vitamin C are protective to our immune system are you saying that nothing a person does during that year except taking the flu vaccine is what prevented the flu well that's absurd if any of my students uh, turned in a paper they would fail and rightly so so you don't give a hundred percent of the credit to a vaccine when you haven't done the histological and serological and biological uh, test so it's all a game of math and, and numbers for example, for 30 years, the CDC said that we had 36,000 people dying of flu every year. It wasn't true. It was an out lie. Because when we look at their actual data published on their own website, it was anywhere from a low of around 700 to a high around 2,000 people dying from the flu. The majority of people were dying from pneumonia. Well, you cannot conflate pneumonia with the flu. They are different conditions and that they did exactly that, much like they're doing now with the COVID-19 virus. And when you talk about a can of worms of misinformation, everything about the COVID virus. First, they said when it came to deaths, oh, it's you know going to kill uh, hundred, uh, millions and millions people. of people. Well, it didn't. Why? Because they used the wrong model. When they went to Italy and they looked at Italy, they didn't look at the fact that the area where people were dying at the highest rate was the most polluted single area of all of Europe. They didn't look at the fact that these people had already lived 80 years in one month, which is beyond the normal lifespan. And these people were already suffering from comorbidities. They had congestive heart failure. From a lifetime of smoking, they had end-stage emphysema. They had cancers. Then that should have been what they died from. But because they may have had COVID, but they didn't die from COVID because there was no studies done in they, autopsies they, yeah, to they, prove that so we were given wrong information about the number of people dying and their mathematical model of what we should do based upon everyone else dying And it was wrong. In the United States, thirty-five to fifty percent of the people dying were dying in nursing homes, assisted living centers. And the absurdity of it is when you go into an assisted living center, or let's say even better, you go into a hospice care. Hospice care means there's nothing else medicine can do. You go spend your last hours, days, or weeks.
0: As a a matter of fact, the nursing homes would be considered hospice light because people that go to nursing homes live on the average 2.3 years after they've been in there. 25% Twenty-five percent of all deaths in America every year occur in nursing home patients. That's about seven hundred thousand. So that's The correct. fact, the fact mm-hmm. that people die in nursing homes, people go, they're dying in nursing homes. Hello, that's why they're in you, nursing homes. That's the last. You're, stage. Now, you're doctor. there
1: to die. You're right. not there to live. Right now, doctor. You, I want to. And so, oh, well, so I'm they're gonna, giving the they're giving the wrong credit. They right. said that COVID virus was the cause, but it wasn't. All the scientific studies show that people were told and influenced by the CDC, just write COVID death.
0: Right, exactly, and they got paid for it. Well, doctor, we appreciate you being here with us. We need to continue this discussion. Absolutely, this is so fascinating. fascinating. I am so very impressed. This is, we've been with Dr. Gary Null, author of 70 books, but the book that I am most interested in and you should be most interested in is Death by Medicine. And that's the fact that conventional doctors, through the different treatments they have, putting in the hospital, medication, surgeries, and a host of other treatments that doctors give, are the leading cause of death. And when doctors don't treat patients and patients don't have doctors, guess what? There's a fall on the death rate in society, yes, which we've seen over the last four months.
1: And Dr. Null, just quickly, uh, how can people find you? Like, what's the best way to find you online? The, the best way for people to read the articles that I've written, I'm writing about three articles a week, and these are very profound articles on 5G technology and why it's bad and don't buy into the commercials and read the different articles on health, is to uh, go to PRN. That's PRN is in Progressive Reader Network. Dot FM. PRN. Dot FM. I, ha- I put up all my documentaries. I have dozens of documentaries, award winning documentaries. So they're free for people to watch and uh, everything that they need. They, they, and one last thing I'll, I'll throw one last quick thing at you. I think one of the worst things that's going to happen is mandatory COVID virus vaccine sponsored by Bill Gates. And here's the latest study. This is from BioVac 19. This is a peer reviewed journal, QRB Discovery. It's uh, of the Cambridge University Coronavirus Collection, and it's by... Uh, a physician from Norway and the foundation professor of oncology, St. George's University of, L- University of London and the Institute of Affection and Immunology, London. So you got some real heavyweight, a Dr. Sorensen and a Dr. Sessrud and a Dr. Dal- Dalish. Here's what they're saying. They're saying that they, have, they are finishing uh, studies on a COVID-19 uh, virus vaccine. However, they're designing it because they feel that this is not a natural occurring and evolving virus it was man-made and even weaponized and they said that the other vaccines being made now could end up causing people to get sick and die because they're they're not looking at this as if it were a gene, genetically altered and engineered vaccines and so their vaccine against the covid virus 19 is based upon their are working with a manufactured one, and they give the, all the explanations in their abstract. So imagine now that they're not the ones who make it to market. Imagine that <clears throat> one of the other ones, sponsoring by the Anthony Fauci crowd, the National Institute of Infection Allergy, bring one that has not been ex- member. They're fast tracking it. That means you're not going to have the animal right. studies. They're not going to have animal have the human studies. And
0: remember, there's no double blind studies on vaccines, folks. Now, Doctor, we're going to have to. We're going to have to. Uh, closed down right now. And we we can listen for, for an this. hour here. We absolutely could. We've got There's another so much program coming on right now. In fact, I'm a minute behind. All that. <laughs> okay. So, well, so nice good. to speak with you all and I look forward and to our next so conversation. So thank you God so much, Dr. You Dr. Nell. The work that you That's with Dr. Gary Nell and uh, be sure to look him up online. He is full of information about national approaches to health and I think you'd benefit from that. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Nell.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for joining us here today on Dr. Hote's Wellness Revolution. A special thanks to Physicians Preference Pharmacy, formerly Hoetze Pharmacy, proud sponsor of Dr. Hoetze's Wellness Revolution podcast.